Hey, the national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new SUV like an adventure-ready RAV4. Available with all-wheel drive, your new RAV4 is built for performance on any terrain, from the road to the trails, and with plenty of passenger and cargo space, plus available tech like wireless charging, you and your entire crew can stay connected. Or check out a stylish and comfortable Highlander with three spacious rows of seating for up to eight passengers and with available features like the panoramic moonroof. You can sit back and enjoy the wide-open views with your whole family. Plus, both RAV4s and Highlanders are available in hybrid models, so no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and save on gas. Visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on RAVs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. If you're like me, it's now the end of the day, and you say, "Uh uh-oh, what are we going to have for dinner? Well, here's the solution. Eating better is easy with Factors Delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. You're going to have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Flexible for your schedule, get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math. Factor is less expensive then take out, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. What are you waiting for? Get started today and get after your goals. Head to factormeals.com slash smirconish50 and use code smirconish50 because you'll get 50% off. That's code smirconish50 at factormeals.com slash smirconish50. Get your 50% off. Hi, it's Michael Smirkanish. Welcome to Book Club with Michael Smirkanish, a collection of Michael's favorite interviews with authors from the last 30 years through today, on the air, on radio. What sets my book club apart is that I actually read the books. Book Club is now in session. Hey, Danny Goldberg is a music impresario. Now, I know that's the sort of thing you throw around when you want to give someone a, a highfalutin introduction. But, but listen to the bio, and I have marked it all up because there's so many interesting things about my guest that I want to get into. I won't be able to in the limited time that we have. But today, president of Gold Village Entertainment, he's worked in the music business as a personal manager, record company president, public relations man, and journalist. Most recently, I should point out, he's the author of a book called Bloody Crossroads 2020, Art, Entertainment, and Resistance to Trump. We'll get into it in a moment. In a prior life, when he was the founder and president of Gold Mountain Entertainment, his clients included Nirvana, Hole, Sonic Youth, Bonnie Raitt, the Allman Brothers, Ricky Lee Jones, and more. By the way, Danny, if I had said to you when you were in that role for Nirvana that Dave Grohl is really going to go places, would you have believed me? Uh, no, I really? knew he was, a, I knew he was an extraordinarily gifted drummer, uh, but I had no idea that he was a songwriter and a lead singer. Uh, he knew, and I think Kurt may have had a sense of it, 
but I, I, I uh, would never have predicted it. Uh, I, if I, if I had known, I would have hung out with him a lot more. So, so in honor of you being here today, I have dressed for the occasion. I don't know if you can see because we're recording this. I am wearing my Genesis T-shirt. This oh, is nice. the most. This is the most recent concert that I attended. I saw Genesis on this uh, last Domino farewell tour just two weeks ago. I figured oh, wow. I'd wear it today. And I, I guess you know, not that you represented anybody in Genesis, as far as I know, but you'd say the same thing about Phil Collins. If Peter Gabriel, when he was leaving, did anybody know that Phil Collins had what Dave Grohl had post Nirvana? I don't know that people would have known that either. I don't think so. And those are the two examples of, of drummers who emerged as these incredibly successful uh, uh, front men. Um, and Phil Collins commercially ended up being bigger than Genesis, although, you know, I'm more of a Genesis fan. Uh, but, you mean uh, classic Genesis? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the, the yeah. Trick of the tail. Uh, Lamb lies down on Broadway. As I said, you and I could have a lot of conversation. Let me just continue. So you were then chairman and CEO of Mercury Records Group, which was the number one U.S. label in terms of market share. This was in the late 90s. Then we get to the part where you are the co-owner of Modern Records, which released Stevie Nicks solo albums, including her number one album, Belladonna. Great, great album. I remember that. When I get far down to Danny Goldberg's resume, then I get what interests me most. It says this. You were the vice president of, I'm going to date myself, of Led Zeppelin's Swan Song Records, worked with the band 73 through 75. In the heyday, you were there. Uh, I was. I'm so lucky that I got to work with them then. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, I had a feeling, you know, before we started off, off before the show, you said there was one part that you were interested in. I had a feeling Zeppelin was going to be the part. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, can I tell you a funny gift. story? That is the I mean, gift I, that keeps on giving. I still get oh to my talk God. about them almost 50 oh years Oh, my later. God. Listen, I have to tell you this. So Celebration Day, the movie, uh, comes out after they do the one-off in tribute to Ahmed Erdogan. It yes. comes out like a decade ago. And I have just joined Sirius XM. They are, they are screening the film at MoMA in New York. And then they're doing a press conference. I go with a recording device, and here are the heroes of my youth in front of me, sans uh, John Bonham, of course, but Jason Bonham was there in his father's stead. And I stand up, and very respectfully, I ask a question of Jimmy Page, Robert Plant, and and uh, uh, John Paul Jones, and Jason Bonham. And I say, look, the movie's fabulous, but it's not going to salve the appetite for people like me who want you out on the road one last time. And Danny, they were so rude and dismissive. It was so, it's like I got a stomach punch from the guys that I idolized all those years. Well, I, I, I wasn't there, so, but, but uh, you know, from what I've heard, I, I, I have not been involved with any of them professionally since those days. Although I have run into Robert playing quite a few times in the ensuing years we have friends in common and he he's in the u.s a lot yeah. uh over this last over this last decade and uh my perception is that he's the one who doesn't want to do it and i think the other guys would love to do it it's an extraordinary amount of money involved uh you know I, i've heard estimates that could generate a billion dollars but uh, you know robert doesn't need Led zeppelin 
And right. he wanted them to be, and, and Jimmy Page created Led Zeppelin. Robert wrote the lyrics. He was the lead singer, but it always was kind of Jimmy's band. And Jimmy was first among equals, certainly when I worked for them. And Robert has just uh, proven to be extraordinarily uh, resilient creatively. And, and these record, that first record he made with Alison Krauss won the Grammy Fabulous. for Alison of the Year. Yeah. And yeah. now the new one is a beautiful, beautiful album. And he does a lot of other things. So I, I, I think it's one of the few examples of somebody that I know of in any field who, who, who chose not to take the most money and to do what he really wants to do. So I really admire Robert for that, although obviously I know how much it would mean to people if, if Zeppelin toured. I think the other piece of the puzzle is I, I think Jason Bonham's very, very talented, but he's not John Bonham. And I'm not, sh- and, and, and John Bonham, more than any drummer I can think of, was so central to the identity and power of that band that it's not really Led Zeppelin without John Bonham. I saw, I saw Jason Bonham, uh, I forget the name of the, the, the tribute that he's put together, just when COVID was hitting, and I, I thought he was phenomenal. Hey, listen, oh, let's, talk about, let's talk about your book. You're here to talk about Bloody Crossroads 2020. Here's the gist of it, that, that Trump, the election that caught the world by surprise, 2016, also caught the entertainment industry by surprise and really became a rallying cry for a new generation of performers and entertainment entertainers and so forth. I, I didn't know you were the guy largely behind no nukes. I mean, I'm of an age to remember that whole movement, those concerts, the one that was uh, on the southern tip of, uh, of, of Manhattan still stands out in my mind. Jackson Brown. But you're here to explain that in similar fashion, in 2020, the entertainment industry really rose to the challenge of Donald Trump. Yeah, I would say more widely than any time in history, there were always certain artists. We, we you know, I'm a lefty and we call them kind of the usual suspects that will turn up right. for benefits and candidates. Rob Reiner, and, and Jane Fonda. Rob Reiner and Jackson Brown is certainly one of them. Right. But after Trump, while all of those people continue to be very outspoken and particularly Rob Reiner and Jane Fonda, um, this whole new wider group of artists, just as if there was some telepathy among them, decided to get involved almost uh, almost immediately after Trump was elected, even before the inauguration. And it included uh, uh, you know, uh, you know, when John Stewart started hosting The Daily Show in 99, he was the only one doing nightly connections between comedy and politics. After Trump it was every show every night. Uh, in the previous uh, generations of pop stars like Whitney Houston, Mariah Carey, Justin Timberlake never talked about politics. After Trump it was Miley Cyrus, uh, uh, Cardi B, Taylor Swift, Billie Eilish, Demi Lovato. Um, they were there were actors like Robert De Niro, who, to my knowledge, had never weighed in on politics that was constantly outspoken of, 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 about Trump. Uh, you couldn't turn on any comedy special on Netflix without hearing 10 minute rant about about Trump. It just seemed as if because he came from show business, you know, uh, The Apprentice was, quote unquote, reality television, which everyone in Hollywood knows has little to do with actual reality. And uh, because he got elected on issues involving race and gender, uh, there was just this out. And, and, and it was in the digital era when the, the, the old school uh, media, news media was more fragmented and, and people with 50 million Twitter followers 
uh, were more part of the political conversation. It just became a phenomenon. So I just decided to document it uh, during the election year. It was already obvious the first few years of Trump's presidency. And it was uh, it was that's what the book tries to do. Is and to and show because of your bio, campaign. because of your bio, your connections, your uh, Rolodex, I guess that's a dated term. But you were <laughs> able to get access to everybody and get everybody to weigh in. Uh Here's the question, though, that I most want to ask you, because as, I, as I'm reading Bloody Crossroads 2020, I am mindful of something specific that happened in 2016 in my hometown of Philadelphia. It's election eve. Pennsylvania's in play. And, and you have got the Clintons, the Obamas, Bruce, Bon Jovi and an enormous crowd. And like to just to just look from 30,000 feet at that event, you would say Donald Trump is going to get smoked in Pennsylvania tomorrow. And indeed, he ends up winning Pennsylvania. Do you think that the individuals that you're talking about move the needle in the direction you want them to? Or every time these folks get together, the usual suspects and a new generation in middle America, are they saying, oh, my God, all these lefties again, I'll show them. I don't think that people decide who, whether or not they like Donald Trump based on either loving or hating a particular entertainer. Um, I do think that in 2020, particularly, the the deep involvement of a lot of performers and entertainers helped raise the sense of urgency, particularly among people that weren't sure whether or not it was worth voting. And, and also among people that maybe were thinking of voting for the Green Party because they just don't particularly care for Joe Biden or Democrats. Uh, you know, in 2016, 5.7% of the popular votes went to the Green Party or the Libertarian Party. And that number was down to 1.7% in 2020. That four points is one of the reasons that Biden won. I, I think it's not a stretch to assume he got most of those votes and not Trump. And um, I think so. I think the creative community adds to that sense of urgency, especially among people that don't listen to Sirius, that don't read the op ed pages or watch cable news that aren't sure if it's worth voting or not and create. And, 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 and that's where I think if they do play a role in an election, that's to me where the role is. Who surprised you of all the personalities that you write about in the book who, who came out and wanted to be politically involved? You mentioned De Niro and, and heretofore not having been perceived as a political guy. But but who in that whole landscape most surprised you that they wanted their voice heard? Well, I, I think Jim Carrey surprised me a lot because I didn't know he had any political feelings before Trump was in. And then he was so outspoken. He did this series of paintings that were very <laughs> negative about Trump and his and his uh, enablers and uh, wrote this eloquent essay uh, about uh, prior to the election about why he was uh, voting for Biden. He was originally a Canadian citizen, but it, it now is an American citizen. So He's certainly one that I never would have predicted before the Trump era would be would be an outspoken political voice. And from another angle, I was very impressed with the sophistication and intelligence that John Legend brings to this uh, uh, arena. He, he uh, it turns out he, he was when he was a kid, he, he wrote an essay about when he grew up, he wanted to be an activist and a singer. And he, he ended up being uh, both. So his level of sophistication, I think, uh, 
rivals any uh, political consultant or political journalist. Uh, that's not true of all so-called celebrities who get involved with politics, but that is how I feel about John Legend. Who, who's on the other side of the aisle in this space? When I was a Republican and I would go to Republican national conventions for years, the best that we had was like this trifecta of Tom Selleck, Bo Derek, and Charlton Heston. Okay. Now, from my watching of Fox, it seems like the conser- the uh, the country artists have really filled that void. So who are the who are the big guns on the other side of the aisle, entertainment wise, from your perspective? Well, um, in terms of the Trump era, which is which is kind of what I focus on in the book and what I've kind of been researching a lot, the highest profile uh, people are John Voight, uh, uh, Kid Rock, um, uh, Ted Nugent. Um, uh, Gene Simmons of Kiss. I'm sorry to say he's a friend of mine. Really? But I really? really? I didn't know that. He showed up uh, at the White House and posed at the lectern of the Defense Department. And, you know, so I, I infer from that. <laughs> I, I never I, I work with Kiss back in the day, but I didn't I was not in touch with Gene during that period. So there were a handful. There always have been. Uh, but for whatever reason, uh, creative communities, both in America and in other countries over the years, tend to skew to the left. They tend to identify with the underdog. They tend to be uh, liberal on social issues. And um, it's a tool that the Democrats have. It doesn't uh, countervail necessarily uh, right wing talk radio. I don't have to tell you how uh, rare you are as, a, as somebody who's not a right winger in this space. And um uh, I, I, I think I think it's 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 a help to to uh, progressives who want to communicate in the populist, non-intellectual language, because it just seems to be a permanent feature. Going back to Charlie Chaplin uh, and, uh, you know, in, 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 during World War II, uh, a warning about Hitler or Harry Belafonte organizing artists to support Dr. King. For some reason, creative spirit seems to identify with the left. Right. But more, to, to be to be more fair, often than to, not, not 100 percent. To be and to, to be fair, and I know Danny Goldberg will concede this point. It's not as if the entertainment industry hands are clean. Whether the subject is misogyny, homophobia, discrimination, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, there's that part of it as well. What final no, question? No. What do you what do you most want people to know about Bloody Crossroads 2020 by Danny Goldberg? Well, but I really try to take the American political culture seriously and as deep a dive as I could into the psychology of, of the way people process uh, information about politics through the prism of art and entertainment. It's not just name dropping. I, I do my best to really try to recreate the campaign through that lens. And uh, I talked to Bruce Springsteen and a lot of other people that have interesting stuff to say. That's awesome. Hey, thank you so much for stopping by to talk about the book. It's great. I think this audience, the POTUS audience, will really enjoy it. And uh, uh, thanks for playing along with my desire for more information about Led Zeppelin. Okay. Happy to talk to you about him anytime. God bless. Thanks, Michael. All right. Thanks, Danny. I appreciate that very much. Hear more of Michael Smirconish on Sirius XM's POTUS Channel 124. Live weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon east or anytime on the Sirius XM app. Connect with Michael on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and at Smirconish.com. Book Club with Michael Smirconish. New episodes drop Tuesdays and Fridays. 
You might be right. It's simple, but something you almost never hear in politics today, with each side more concerned about scoring political points than solving problems. I'm Bill Haslam, a Republican. And I'm Phil Bredesen, a Democrat. We're former Tennessee governors, and we invite you to listen to our podcast, You Might Be Right. Join us and guests like Al Gore, Paul Ryan, Judy Woodruff, as we take on important issues facing our country. Listen and subscribe to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee. Meet Stacy. Stacy's on the hunt for a new pair of trendy glasses. Call me picky, but I just can't find the one. Luckily for Stacy, Walmart Vision has virtual try-on. Now she can try on hundreds of frames virtually, then upload her prescription and get new glasses delivered right to her door. Really? <laughs> yeah, really. Well, the hunt just took a turn for the better. Buy your next pair of glasses with virtual try-on from Walmart. Welcome to Easy Eye Care. Welcome to your Walmart. Restrictions apply. See walmart.com for details.